the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer, or just The Answer. We are on from 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time, worldwide on the web at theanswer.com. And you can click Listen Live, or you can go to drbillradiomd.com and click Listen Live, and you can listen to us if you have a computer hooked up to the Internet and have a headset or some speakers. And we're on the radio locally in the Tampa Bay area. I believe we're on two or three different uh, bandwidths here, FM and AM. So catch us, everybody. We want you. We love you and we need you. So we got a little bit of John Lennon singing Revolution. And uh, we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders later in the show and his socialist revolution that he's bringing across the country. Uh, Interestingly, he comes from a very small state. I think that uh, he's from... Vermont. I believe he's the senator from there, and he was formerly the mayor of Burlington. Burlington's a town of 50,000. It's even smaller than Buttigieg's South Bend, Indiana, which I think is around 100,000. And the state of Vermont is only, I don't know, 627,000 people. Now, that's about the size of the Tampa Bay uh, city limits, or not the Tampa Bay, but Tampa, the Tampa Bay area is probably three or four million now. I would guess, wouldn't you think, Ken? I mean, this area has really grown. Oh, absolutely, yes, especially in the past so, couple of years, sure. Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a guy from a small state, and I'll talk a little bit about New England and about the the uh, the radical politics of the New England folks, going back to uh, John Hancock, who, as you recall, was one of the main fomenters of the American Revolution, and. Uh, he was a businessman and uh, a revolutionary and uh, a social reformer, so to speak. But I wanted to also talk about the first half of the show because it seems to be popular with everybody, the the medical aspects of our existence. And one of the guys from the station was in this week to see me as a patient. He had a company physical and the nurse practitioner or whoever examined him had heard a heart murmur. And so he came in and he was concerned about his heart. And he's a few years younger than me, but not that much younger. And he wants a a heart workup. We're glad to do that. We're going to get him an ultrasound of his heart and do a stress test and a few other tests, do some blood work, find out what's going on. I don't think it's serious. Uh, What is a heart murmur? That's the thing that people want to know. And they say, I've never heard a heart murmur, so I don't really know what it is. Well, a heart murmur is the flow of blood across a valve, uh, an abnormal flow. Usually it's abnormal flow uh, when there's a high flow rate across a valve opening. 
And you say, well, what is a heart valve? Well, if you take your hands and uh, bend your your palms so that your fingers are, uh, put your bend your elbows and put your fingers so they're pointing towards each other uh, and overlap one over the other and then flip them up and then back to the horizontal plane, vertical, horizontal, vertical, horizontal. Now imagine that that opens and closes over some kind of an orifice, over some kind of a hole, and that when it closes, it blocks flow of water or air or whatever. And then when it opens, the fluid or the air or whatever you want coming through there, jelly beans will come through. And then you go back down and you've got them horizontal with your extended fingers overlapping each other. Now that's what a, what a heart valve basically does. Now there's heart valves with two leaflets, like your two hands, your two sets of fingers, and there's also heart valves with three leaflets. There are two different uh, 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 anatomical structures that the heart valves are made from. And the heart valves are made from connective tissue like cartilage. Uh, they're tough. Uh, they have to be because they have to survive millions and millions of heartbeats over the lifespan of a human being or of uh, any number of animals. And by the way, you may not know this, but uh, mammals and birds, most of us, we all have the same number of heartbeats on average, and then we die. So uh, the reason that a hummingbird dies so much earlier is because its heart rate is four to 500 beats per minute. Uh, and so it ain't going to live as long as we are with, with our average heart rate of 60 to 100 beats per minute. So my man from the station comes in, and he's a wonderful guy. I'll call him Bobby. He's so cute. You just couldn't believe it. And basically, he's a healthy guy. And so I hear this murmur, and, uh, you know, I say, look, Bob, I think this is uh, probably your aortic valve, and uh, we're going to have to take a look at that. It's not uncommon. The aortic valve is the big valve that leads from the big pumping chamber, the left side of the heart, the left ventricle, to the aorta. And the aorta is that big artery that goes up into our chest and then makes the loop, goes down into our belly and all the branches of the blood vessels that feed our brain and our body and our kidneys and our bowels and our legs and even our little itty bitty toes, they come off of the aorta. <clears throat> so the aorta is the main artery of the body. And <clears throat> that uh, valve there receives a lot of trauma over the decades, especially in guys, because in general, we're more physically active. We have higher heart rates to begin with. Uh, we've got more junk in our system because of testosterone. So we have a little higher cholesterol levels and, uh, and our valves tend to, our aortic valve tends to get a little crusty as we grow older. There's thickening of the valve leaflets. So there can also be calcium deposited. And as this builds up, the valve can't open as, as well as it used to, as, as wide of an opening as it used to. And so as that narrows down, we start getting some turbulent flow through the valve, and we get these abnormal sounds. We call them heart murmurs. We say, well, I don't understand. Well, let me explain it to you in terms of a garden hose, because most people have picked up a garden hose in their lifetime. Now, if you take a garden hose with no nozzle on it, and you turn the water on, you're going to get a fairly uh, uniform, round uh, cone of water coming out, uh, jet of, not a jet uh, yet, we'll get to the jet. So that water comes out, and it may go two or three feet, depending on how high you turn up the, the, uh, 
the pressure on the, the valve. So the higher the flow, the more sound it starts to make. Now, if you put your thumb over it, all of a sudden you're going to hear a hissing sound, a louder sound, and the jet's going to go further because you've constricted, you've uh, blocked the opening partially, and so the the laws of, of fluid say that the fluid on one side, the flow, the volume, the pressure, uh, all of those things have to equal that on the other side. Otherwise, you're going to have the one on the back end blow up. Your hose is going to go kaboom. Well, let's say you have 40 to 50 pounds per square inch of pressure coming out of your, your hose, which is the usual water pressure, 40 to 60 PSI uh, in residential homes. If you have that coming out, then you're going to have to have a certain amount of flow through that opening, whether your thumb's over it or not, in order for the volume of water and the pressure and all of the other factors that come into the physics of it to be equal on both sides. Otherwise, the hose is going to blow up. So you can get it out by increasing the pressure or by increasing the velocity, the speed of the water coming out so you get more volume through, or the volume itself. And if you put your thumb over there and you constrict that, then you're going to decrease the amount of volume that can come out, so then you're going to get an increase in the speed, assuming that the pressure stays the same. Therefore, you're going to get more water coming out through the smaller hole, and it'll equal out on both sides. And that's basically what a heart murmur is. It's an abnormal flow through an opening, usually when there's some constriction or blockage of that opening, that valve, by valve disease, by thickening, by calcification, uh, by damage, trauma. And so this is what happens. Now, we can also have abnormal sounds when we have flow going in reverse when the valve is not necessarily damaged, but it's floppy or it's not uh, capable of, of maintaining a good closure when there's pressure uh, from, the, from the force of the contraction of the chamber that it has dumped into. And then if you can put your hands together and you can imagine instead of after your fingers go straight up and then come back to the horizontal, imagine that they dip down a little bit so that there's a little bit of an opening between your fingers your right and left hand, and then you've got a little hole there, and that little hole, even though it is uh, not damaged, even though the valve tips and the leaflets are fine, you've got a small opening there, and if you have a high enough pressure, you're going to have backflow into the chamber that was protecting, that the valves are protecting, and that little hole can cause a sound or murmur as well. So we hear this uh, through abnormal valves, we hear it through valves that are floppy and that are not competent, and we can also hear it through uh, narrowed arteries. We can hear it through abnormal connections between arteries and arteries and veins, and we call these murmurs or brewies when we hear them in arteries. And they come in different grades. You can hear uh, a grade one murmur, if you're an expert examiner like me, of course, I can't hear those anymore. Uh, not because I'm incompetent, but because my ears are getting incompetent. And Ken, you probably don't know what that is. It's called loss of hearing, but that's a whole nother lecture. I, I, even right now, I'm wearing a hearing aid, believe it or not, Doc. What? I'm wearing a hearing aid. A? 
<laughs> <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> All right. So we go, we grade murmurs by the, the uh, loudness from grade one to grade six. Grade one is just barely audible with the stethoscope. And uh, grade six is when you can hear it even with the stethoscope, just a little bit off the chest. And uh, so we've, we've got these heart sounds that we listen to. And uh, Ken, can you, do you have the normal heart sound? Can you play that for us now? Let's hear what that sounds like. Sure, here we go. Love dub, love dub, love dub. Very good. That's what we're all looking for. Yeah, we're all looking for that normal heart sound. Now, that's a normal heart sound, and the two sounds you hear, the love dub, those are the uh, closing of the valves in the heart. There's two different sets of valves. There's the ones that are three leaflets, and they close uh, after the atria, which are the receiving chambers. Blood comes back from the body after it's had all the oxygen and nutrients taken out of it through the veins to the right side of the heart, and it goes through the right atrium receiving chamber, and atria is a receiving chamber, and then the left atrium gets blood back from the lungs, which has been reoxygenated and all fluffed up and all the bad stuff like carbon dioxide and acid taken out of it, and we blow that out through our lungs. And so when those valves close, you get the lub, and then the second closure is the uh, are the what we call the semilunar or the three leaflet valves, and that's the pulmonary artery which goes to the lungs, and the aorta which goes to the body, and that's the dub. So then you have the lub dub, lub dub, lub dub, and those are normal heart sounds. We don't hear any murmurs with that. It uh, just flows through nice and smooth, and all we're hearing are the valves closing. And as they slam shut, they make a noise. And you say, well, how can you hear this noise? Well, remember, sound travels not only through air. It travels through solid substances, too. So when you're in, underwater in the swimming pool, you can hear things. In fact, you can hear them better because the denser the medium, the thicker the, the juice that it's flowing through, the sound waves, uh, the easier it is to hear the sound. So... When we can get a stethoscope on the chest and the lungs aren't uh, too overinflated from emphysema or asthma, uh, we can hear the heart sounds pretty good with our stethoscope. And that's because you have tissue and you have blood, and these are denser mediums, media, than air. And so the sound comes through it a lot easier. And that's how we do it. The stethoscope's been around for a couple hundred years good tool. We're still using it. Hard to believe, huh? Hard to believe. So what do we listen for besides the abnormal sound? Well, the timing, we want to know if it's occurring in systole or diastole. Systole is when the big chambers are pumping, and that's when the blood is pumped out of the heart into either the aorta for the body or into the pulmonary artery to go to the lungs to get cleaned up and pick up oxygen. We listen for the location, what part of the chest we're hearing it from. We listen to the sound, whether it's harsh or, or soft or cooing or blowing uh, or rumbling or machine-like. We, we have a whole number of, of words we use to describe the, uh, the sounds that we hear. And by the way, a lot of that has become less important in this age of ultrasound and, and, and high-tech heart diagnostic modalities. And we listen for the pitch. We also want to know whether we can hear the murmur in other parts of the chest or in the neck. 
that's called radiation. So we listen for heart murmurs. Uh, we start off at the base or the or the tip of the heart, and then we work our way around. If we hear a murmur into the left uh, armpit area or over to the right chest, and so we we do a number of maneuvers to try and figure out where the murmur's coming from, which valve. We even have you inhale, exhale, stand up, squat, uh, straight leg raises, hand grips. Uh, hold your breath and, and pretend like you're moving your bowels. That's called a Valsalva maneuver. Uh, we even can use medications. And these are all tricks and modalities that we do to try and figure out where the murmur is coming from and what kind of murmur it is. And so the, the murmur that Bobby had was called aortic stenosis. And uh, Ken, have you got that queued up? I do. That? It's your aortic whatever you said. Aortic whatever, I said. I do hear a difference, yes. You hear that? You hear that little... Yeah. Okay. There should be another aortic stenosis murmur, too. There's two of them, a mild and a severe one. Here's another one, yes. All right. That sounds a little harsher. You hear it? How it sounds a little harsher and Mm -hmm. it's a little longer? Okay, well, that's that's the aortic valve, and that's what I heard in Bobby. I heard that little, whoosh, whoosh, and it's kind of a harsh murmur, and it, it uh, was heard in the right area for the aortic valve, <clears throat> and knowing that it's very typical in guys as we get older. Well, now, the girls get it too, but the guys get it a little bit more frequently and usually a little earlier on, uh, is consistent with, aortic stenosis. Uh, Generally, this is not a problem until it gets to be really, really, really bad. Uh, And what can happen is not enough blood gets through the valve to backflow into the arteries that feed the heart. The arteries that feed the heart come off of the little uh, concavities that the leaflets flop back into. So then the, the blood comes shooting out of the aorta. And because the aorta is rubbery and dynamic, when the valve shut, it squeezes some blood back down into those little concavities and the openings for the blood vessels that feed the heart, the, the heart muscle, because the heart has to have blood too, goes back down in, into those little openings and into the heart to, to feed the heart. And so when you don't have enough flow through the aortic valve, you may not have enough flow into your arteries that go to your heart, and then you can start having chest pain like a heart attack. You can have rhythm disturbances. You can pass out all kinds of bad things. Uh, Bobby's nowhere near that. He's not having any symptoms whatsoever. But if you are having symptoms like chest pain, palpitations, feeling lightheaded when you're doing things, and you're a guy our age and you are concerned, then you need to go in and see your doctor and get get examined, make sure that you don't have aortic stenosis. It could be other things. It can be blocked arteries and pre-heart attack. Uh, it can be a, a, any number of, of problems, but certainly aortic stenosis is very common. Another problem that we see pretty frequently is uh, regurgitation through valves, and uh, we have uh, uh, a valve called the mitral valve that is between the receiving chamber on the left side of the heart. That's the left atrium that gets blood back from the lungs. That's the good blood that we're going to pump out to the body that goes through the mitral valve down into the left ventricle. And then the left ventricle squeezes and pumps that out through the aorta to the body. And when we have uh, a floppy mitral valve, like we did with our fingers a few minutes ago, uh, with 
with uh, regurgitation back into the left atrium, we can get a heart sound there. We can have that from a, a valve that is floppy and prolapsing back into the left atrium. We can have it from a heart that's dilated and gotten too big and the the uh, ring that holds the valve in place has gotten stretched and the leaflets don't touch anymore. We can have it after a heart attack where we have dead tissue and some of the little tendons that attach to the big ventricular muscular wall are not moving. So then when the valve tries to close, it can't. It's stuck open. Uh, there's a number of things that can happen. You can even rupture one of the little tendons that holds the valve leaflets because the valves don't have any muscles themselves. They're like your fingers. Your fingers don't have any muscles in them. They're just tendons and bones. The muscles for your fingers are up in your forearm. And you can even see how that works by relaxing your hand and then grab your forearm and squeeze and you'll see your fingers. They'll contract as you squeeze your forearm muscles. And that's passive because you're not doing it with the muscles that, that are moving those fingers. You're doing it with the other hand. And so we have the same thing with the heart valves. There's tendons that hold onto those and pull them open and shut the mitral valve and the tricuspid valve. And so we got mitral regurgitation and that's a little different sound. Have we got that queued up, big boy? Okay, this is the mitral, mitral regurgitation. regurgitation. Here we go. Here we go. You guys hear that? Certainly. It sounds ominous. Kind of blowing. Kind of... Oh. That blowing sound, that's, that's what a bad mitral regurgitation sounds like. And so we can start to tell the difference between heart valve murmurs by the sound, by the location, and that murmur will travel from the tip of the heart, which is right under your breast, around into your uh, left axilla, under your left armpit there, and uh, that's how we know, and we know the timing is during systole when the ventricle is squeezing because the blood's going back into that left atrium as the left ventricle, the big pumping chamber, is trying to get that blood out. And this can cause problems because if you have too much blood going back into that chamber, first of all, the chamber is going to get overloaded. It starts to stretch. Pressures go up in that chamber. And as well, you don't get enough blood out through the aorta. And we can calculate the amount of blood that's going back into the uh, left atrium uh, instead of going out the aorta to the body to feed the, the muscles and the tissues and the brain. And we can do all kinds of cool things with our equipment in our ultrasound machines to find out how bad it is. Uh, this is not uncommon. We see mitral valve disease more commonly in women uh, earlier in life. And we also used to see it. We don't see it that much anymore, but we used to see it in people who had rheumatic fever. So if you got scarlet fever uh, in old days and we didn't have antibiotics to treat it, it could go on to rheumatic fever, which is a secondary immunologic response, and then you get all these little nasty uh, antigen and antibody complexes sticking to your valves, and then you get white blood cells, the garbage men coming in and trying to eat everything up, damages the valves, and they get all sticky, and then you can have mitral valve regurgitation and also mitral valve stenosis, which is when the valve is blocked. There's a couple of interesting murmurs that... Uh, uh, we like to hear uh, they're less common nowadays because they're usually picked up uh, in infancy. Uh, one is called uh, a patent ductus arteriosus. Now, what this is, 
and this is what the pediatric cardiologists are experts at, is there's a little connection between your big artery going to your lungs when you're a baby in the womb and the big artery, the aorta, going to your body. And the reason is, is that, well, you're not breathing when you're in the womb. I mean, you do breathe, but what you're breathing is is amniotic fluid. There's some uh, uh, primitive uh, efforts to breathe by the infants in the womb. But uh, what happens is that the blood from the baby inter- interfaces with the blood from the mother, uh, what we call the placenta, and the placenta delivers to the baby uh, oxygenated blood and nutrients, sugar, uh, proteins, uh, minerals, vitamins, all the things that's necessary for growth. And there's an exchange, even though the the two blood systems don't actually uh, interact per se. I mean, there's probably some little leakage back and forth. And then we can have some autoimmune reactions and RH positive, RH negative reactions. But for the most part, uh, they're they're just membranes that separate the blood cells and the blood vessels, and there's a transfer of oxygen. That oxygen goes into the baby's umbilical artery, the belly button, and that's what your belly button was. It was an artery going to your placenta, which interfaced with your mother when you were in the womb, and that goes right up to, uh, to the heart, and it goes into the right side of the heart, and since that blood's already got oxygen in it and you're not getting any any oxygen in your lungs, there's a shunt from one side of the heart to the other where you have a big opening between the two atria, which closes when we get older and and uh, are born and grow. And you also have this uh, this artery between the, the two big vessels, the pulmonary artery and the aorta, <clears throat> and the blood that does go down into the right side, into the big pumping chamber and out to the, to the, uh, to the lungs, it gets pushed over into the aorta. So it goes out to the body. And that's how, as infants in the womb, we get oxygen and food because, you know, we're not breathing and we're not eating. So somehow we got to get it. Well, if that doesn't close normally at birth, which it's supposed to, uh, there are some congenital inherited problems where it stays open. Uh, then we have what we call a patent ductus arteriosus. And that's a sound that is continuous. Uh, there's no opening or closing snaps that we hear with that. It's just a constant flow of blood going across this uh, abnormally open artery <clears throat> that is persistent from infancy. And we've got that sound too, I think. We certainly do. Doesn't sound real good for your heart, though. No, it's not good. Uh, but the the good thing is, is that this can be treated medically uh, in the newborns. And if that doesn't work, the uh, heart surgeons or the interventional cardiologists can uh, actually close that off with a, a clip or uh, put a stent in there. And the medicines that we use uh, usually work to help close it, but not always. Uh, a lot of the congenital heart diseases now are are treated so early in infancy that uh, the adult cardiologists we rarely see congenital problems. Once in a blue moon, we'll get a get a congenital problem. You'll have some that'll uh, survive into adulthood, but for the most part, 
those are taken care of by the pediatric cardiologists and cardiac surgeons. And thank God for that. I don't know how they do it, Ken. You you get a, 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 need, a neonate, a newborn, and their heart is, you know, maybe an inch or two <laughs> in size. And uh, these guys are going in and, and working on them. I mean, it's like working on a, on a tinker toy or a watch. The 21st century is a wonderful thing, Doc. It's, it's un, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, I'm just so happy that we are living in the era that we are, and it's only going to get better and better and better. Well, now you know a little bit about, a little bit about heart murmurs, and we know Bobby's going to be okay, but we're still going to work him up. Good Lord, man, we need some cash coming into the practice. We need cash flow, so we're going to do everything on him, including a serum porcelain level. Uh, I think we're going to charge him $100,000 for that. So hopefully he'll have enough cash to pay for everything. But now you know a little bit more about heart murmurs, and you know about some of the heart sounds. So what I want you to do, Ken, is play that normal heart sound, and then we're going to take a break. On the way out, you play the normal heart sound. I'll go grab a cup of Joe, and we'll all be back in a few minutes. Sounds like a plan. See you back here, Doc. Yahoo! News. I'm Patrick Cross. Bernie Sanders has scored a resounding victory in Nevada's presidential caucuses. His win Saturday cements his status as the Democrats' national frontrunner. Joe Biden was a distant second in Nevada with Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren further behind. Republican lawmakers in Maryland are criticizing a history lesson at a public high school near Baltimore that compared President Trump with Nazis and communists. Authorities say a person has been struck by a float and fatally injured during one of the iconic parades of the Mardi Gras season in New Orleans. It was the second death in several days to bar this year's carnival festivities. The city agency tasked with emergency preparedness tweeted online that the death occurred Saturday night on a downtown New Orleans parade route. Tyson Fury dropped Deontay Wilder twice Saturday night in their heavyweight title rematch. Wilder's corner threw in the towel as he was taking a beating in the seventh round. This is Ezra News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727 
545-9674. Impact Mortgage Corp. DBA Cash Call Mortgage. NMLS ID 128231. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in all states, including New York. Offer not available in Washington. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. You see it on TV every day. Global turmoil. But these international events help keep interest rates low and may even drive them lower. In response, we at Cash Call Mortgage have lowered our interest rates for the new year. And that's great news for homeowners. If you have a current rate above 2.99%, call us to see how much you can save. If you qualify, we'll even pay your closing costs. And we can close your refi in as fast as 20 days with no upfront deposit. With our low interest rates and no closing costs if you qualify, there's never been a better time to lock in a low rate before it's gone. For a free quote, go to cashcallmortgage.com or call 800-990-6947. That's 800-990-6947. 800-990-6947. Take AM860, The Answer, with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. Dennis Prigger is amazed there are Republicans. They ask, where are all of these Republicans coming from? And I do, too. You are lied to from kindergarten through graduate school because you are indoctrinated rather than educated. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon on AM 860, The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, mostly sunny, high 76. Patchy clouds will develop for tonight with a low 60. Then tomorrow, sunshine and patchy clouds throughout the day. Monday's high, 79. Cloudy and warm at night, low 65. Breezy with sun and high clouds in the morning Tuesday. Clouds and breaks of sun in the afternoon, high 81. That's your Accu Weather Forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, coming at you on 860 AM. And I am on 9 to 10 AM every Sunday morning. You can reach me on the World Wide Web at drbillradiomd.com. Click Listen Live, and it's Eastern Standard Time. You can reach me anywhere in the world. We also have a lot of the old shows archived, both at the station and on my website. And the station is theanswer.com. And uh, so you can go and pick me up anywhere and everywhere. We had a great first half uh, with the heart sounds and the heart murmurs. Everybody loved it. Uh, Now I'm going to jump ship here and um, move on to the political side of the show. Uh, Bernard Sanders, Bernie Sanders, won big out in Nevada uh, yesterday. And so he's riding a high. And uh, it's, uh, it's said that the... 2016 election, the primary, which he ran in, uh, was stolen from him by the Hillary Clinton camp. And, you know, you don't want to mess with the Clintons. By the way, uh, one of the guys at the hospital suggested a Bernie Sanders Hillary Clinton ticket. And uh, we all suggested if that happened, Bernie better take out a big life insurance policy because he'd probably be dead within the first week. Um, The Clintons would knock him off so that Hillary could be president. (laughs) But he was born in 1941, and so he is uh, one of the oldest people to run for for the presidency. 
And if he were elected, he would absolutely be the oldest person ever elected. He recently had a heart attack, got a stent, says he's doing fine. Uh, I guess so. He was born in uh, New York City. He's a, uh, a, a Jewish working class product and raised in the Brooklyn borough of New York City. He attended Brooklyn College. And then he transferred over to the University of Chicago in 1964 and uh, graduated from there. Apparently, he wasn't uh, the, the most interested and academic fellow. Uh, he was more concerned with uh, politicking and protesting. He helped organize a Congress of Racial Equality, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, worked in the Civil Rights Movement. And uh, he was anti-Vietnam War. Uh, he moved to Vermont in 1968, and then he worked his way up through the through the uh, area of politics. And he was elected mayor of Burlington in 1981, and he had three reelections after that. And then he went to the U.S. House of Representatives from Vermont uh, as an at-large congressional uh, candidate. Um, he co-founded the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Uh, he was elected to the Senate in 2006 from Vermont and, and re-elected in 2012 and 2018. And now, as you all know, he's running for president. He's a self-proclaimed democratic socialist, and he believes that uh, there's great inequalities in our country and that these need to be rectified not only in our country but in the world. Uh, he stands for democratic socialism. Uh, he believes that there is economic inequality which has to be overcome. He rails against billionaires. Uh, and He supports labor rights and uh, he supports a minimum wage. Uh, the problems with the minimum wage is that uh, the minimum wage in New York City is going to be quite different than the minimum wage in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, because the cost of living is different. So if you have a flat minimum wage, it, it really doesn't make any sense. It's more just a show. He supported universal and single-payer health care and uh, paid parental leave, tuition-free tertiary education, the Green New Deal, uh, climate change. He wants to reduce military spending uh, pursue more diplomacy and international cooperation, and he wants to put emphasis on labor rights and environmental concerns, uh, which is what the Democrats have been uh, quietly pushing for for a long time. And he's got uh, a lot of philosophy that aligns with the old New Deal policies that Franklin Delano Roosevelt introduced. By the way, in the late 30s, when the New Deal was failing and uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR's uh, young socialist and communist, uh, Claude Pepper and Wallace and uh, Adlai Stevenson came to him and, and they said, what about the New Deal? What happened to the New Deal? And FDR said it didn't work. I mean, he told these guys in the late 1930s, it didn't work, guys. We're abandoning it and we're getting ready for World War II. And, uh, of course, with time, the... The, a lot of these socialists like Adlai Stevenson and Claude Pepper uh, modified and, and uh, tooled back their, 
their rhetoric and their ideology a little bit. And I guess Bernie Sanders has done that, too. Bernie likes to think of himself as somebody who will listen and politely interact with the other side. And he's even gone to uh, uh, conservative Christian groups and spoken with and to them. But uh, he is representing a political and socioeconomic policy that a lot of people feel has failed throughout the world. And even the, the communist parties in China and Russia and Eastern Europe have all realized that it's a flawed policy, that uh, the state trying to micromanage everything and own everything just doesn't work. Uh, Hitler was smart enough to realize that uh, communism wouldn't work, that the best policy was to have free enterprise, he got a little bit carried away with that anti-Semitic stuff and his hatred of everybody who wasn't Hitler. Uh, but uh, he did have a, a basic understanding of, of how economy should work. And I think that we need to uh, think seriously about what Bernie's saying and doing. He's been fairly consistent, uh, has kept his nose pretty clean. Um, he has not been embroiled in any big scandals that I know of. Now, he's got some people backing him that are uh, eager to take over his uh, position as the leader of the uh, social democrats, the liberals, ultra liberals. And this is his second presidential campaign. And he's working hard along with his people to make sure that it does not fail. Uh, he is going up against billionaires like Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg and uh, is actually defeating them. I mean, he's keeping them under control. Uh, he is going up against so-called centrists like Pete Buttigieg, who's really not a centrist. He's a left-winger, too. And uh, Klobuchar. I mean, these are people that are all, they all have basically the same agenda, which is uh, uh Medicare for all, health care for all, uh, free education at the, at the high school, at the grade school, high school, and college level, uh, a number of programs that I, I spoke of before, and they all want firearms uh, control, criminal justice reform. Uh, they want shorter sentences and lower bail for, uh, for criminal acts that are violent or that are uh, perpetrated against individuals. Uh, where they want longer sentences for white-collar crime like what uh, Roger Stone did in lying to Congress. Uh, so this is their agenda. Uh, they want to change the financial and monetary policy, the country, the foreign policy, the health care, immigration policy, income and wealth distribution, uh, veterans affairs. They want uh, ultra-liberal Supreme Court nominees. They want abortions on demand. Uh, you know, there's just a number of things that they want that are 180 degrees away from what the conservatives feel is appropriate and what the country has more traditionally been about. Now, we say that, we say the country has more traditionally been about this, but if you look at New England, New England has always been a hotbed of political activism. Massachusetts and John Adams at the time of the institution uh, and adoption of the United States Constitution in the 1780s, mid-late uh, 1780s, 
uh, wanted free education for all in the Constitution of the United States. That's what uh, John Adams wanted. And Massachusetts uh, wanted this. And uh, the, the uh, New England states, Massachusetts, Vermont, Connecticut, Maine, and uh, Rhode Island, they all wanted to have more liberalism. They uh, all statewise outlawed slavery early on. They were uh, uh, for social equality and for full integration of the population. They wanted voters' rights expanded early on. Remember early on, if you weren't uh, a man, a free man at that, and in a lot of states and jurisdictions, one who had to pay tax of some kind, either as a tradesman who bought a license to to do carpentry or you paid sales tax or whatever, uh, you know, you couldn't vote. And so they wanted uh, expansion of the voting rights And Bernie now wants uh, prisoners, I believe he said he wants prisoners to vote too. So uh, even though in the Constitution it says that you forfeit your right to vote if you're convicted of a crime and you're locked up. But these are the things that Bernie stands for. And I'm not going to make a moral judgment on it, uh, but I'll make make a, a, a utilitarian judgment on it. This stuff doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And we see this in any and every country that we go to where socialism and socialist agendas have uh, been widely implemented. And you say, well, what about the European health care system? Well, you know what? It doesn't work that well, especially if you're at the lower end. If you're on the public health care plan, uh, you're not going to get the same care in Germany or France as somebody who has some private insurance and couldn't buy their way to the top or if you have some connections. You'll wait. In Canada, it's terrible because you can't even buy your way up. Uh, hopefully that'll change. And, and I can tell you this from firsthand experience because we advertise for and cater to Canadians who come down here for the winter. And they use their travel insurance. They don't use their, uh, their, their provincial or government insurance, their Medicare, because that won't pay. It won't pay for their care down here. So we know how their system works, and we have to deal with this frequently. So there's a number of issues, and that's not to say that we don't need to expand health care in some way. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Uh, I just think that we have to do it in a way that uh, uh, is cost-effective, not the Obamacare plan, which was just a scam to uh, increase Medicaid, uh, which would have been – I think easier and less costly to do if we had just increased our Medicare tax rate and called it Medicare Medicaid tax rate. And I personally don't have a problem with everybody paying more for Medicare and Medicaid taxes. That's actually not a tax. That's an insurance plan. And we do that so that when we get older or when we're disabled, we'll have health care that is affordable and believe me, Medicare is the best health care plan around, especially if you can get a secondary. I don't know. Ken, are you on Medicare yet? I am not on Medicare yet. No, about three, uh, about five more years. All right. Well, my wife is looking forward to it next year, and then she's going to run it and get her cataract surgery done because it's expensive. And right now she has a $10,000 deductible plan because of the uh, the drive up of cost in health care and health care insurance by the Obamacare 
plan, which is a disaster. I said it would be a disaster. I told you all back in 2007 and 2008 that this was nothing but uh, an indirect plan to expand Medicaid. And you can say, well, there are people who now have insurance, and that's true. There are a small number of people who got the Obamacare plan, and they uh, don't pay much. Uh, And there are other people who have the Obamacare plan, and they pay a lot. So it just depends. Uh, we're paying for it's you know it's just another uh, it's another way to expand Medicaid and and I don't have a problem with people having health care and if they can't afford it to assist them with this but let's do it more directly and let's uh, let's make sure that it's distributed evenly. Well, Bernie's got some problems. Uh, his health care plan uh, he has. Uh, no way to fund this at this point other than to increase taxes. And he also has his own personal health care problems. He had this heart attack and he had a stent put in. Um, and whether or not he'll survive uh, a, a presidency, of course, we don't know. Uh, he could suffer another heart attack. I don't think so. I'm sure that his doctors did a good job and got him opened up. Will he take care of himself? Will he take his medications? Don't know. Don't know if he's like Clinton and was a closet smoker uh, and uh, misbehaved and ate burgers. I mean, it's tough when you're on the campaign trail to eat properly, especially when people expect you to eat with them. And a lot of what Americans eat is greasy, fatty food. And he doesn't want to... uh, have to pay for a lot of things uh, for a lot of Americans, and that includes uh, education. So here's another problem. How you, how's he going to pay for it? How do you pay for this? He isn't a, a real warm and fuzzy guy. He doesn't do the tearful, empathetic uh, kinds of uh, uh, campaigning that some politicians do. He's not a baby kisser. He's not a storyteller. You don't know about his earlier life. He doesn't crack a lot of jokes. Uh, we don't hear much about his family. Uh, he seems to be disinterested in the humanizing stuff and more interested in his agenda. And you can say, well, his agenda is humane. Uh, but uh, by the same token, it would help if there was a little humanity behind it. And he's not interested in discussing anything that doesn't fit into his, uh, his uh, narrative Whereas somebody like Trump will discuss other things that don't fit into his narrative. He may discuss them in a negative way, but he certainly uh, will discuss them. And a lot of what Bernie blames our country's problems on, if you think we have a lot of problems, I personally think we're probably one of the least problematic countries in the world uh, for the most part. Everything is corporate greed. Everything is billionaires who are taking advantage of the little guy. Because if you can say this, then you really don't have to know anything about economic policy. And when you hear the radicals who are yelling for him uh, uh, at these rallies and saying, you know, death to the to the capitalist and up with the people and socialists and all that, it all sounds great. But uh, where's the money going to come from? Who's going to run the businesses? How are you going to stimulate people to work? Because it certainly hasn't uh, 
been a very positive uh, incentive to say you're doing it for for the Communist Party and for the good of the people uh, to get somebody like uh, me to go to medical school and want to put in 12, 18-hour days if I'm not being rewarded in some way. Now, it's not all about money. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of kudos and status in the community and a lot of appreciation from patients. And unlike politics, 95% of the patients like me, you know, in politics, the minute you open your mouth and say you're a Democrat or Republican, 50% of the population hates you and they don't care what your policies are. You're not in their party. So the economic inequalities that Bernie speaks of uh, is really uh, going to appeal to a very small group of people who are uneducated as to how economies work and uh, who really are not looking any deeper than they're upset because you have something and they don't and they want it or they want half of it. And this is what uh, happened with the Bolshevik Revolution and the Communist Revolutions in uh, China and Russia and Eastern Europe. The Bolsheviks came in and uh, just took it and they took it away and they said, uh, this is now property of the state. By the way, the Bolsheviks did not win uh, in an open election. They only got about 22% of the vote in 1917 uh, when Russia had its elections. And so they decided, you know what, we can never win a free election. No, you can't, because people are not stupid. You know, you can figure out by the fourth grade that it's not fair if everybody gets the same grade when you study harder and get a higher score on the test, why should uh, little Jimmy sitting next to you or Susie get an A uh, just because you got an A? That ain't fair. If you work harder, you need to be rewarded, even if it's just a little gold star on your, on your term paper. So this is nonsense that is not going to fly with the majority of, of Americans, but it's something that we need to discuss, and we need to discuss it rationally. The U.S. economic inequality is really quite narrow. Uh, if you look at the uh, the majority of people, I mean, it's just a small percentage that are billionaires, you know, like 0.001% of the population are billionaires. And the the number of people that make over 100000 a year is maybe 5 7% of the population. That's growing as, as inflation and wages grow. But 90% of us are making under 100000 a year, and we're all pretty much uh, eating out of the same trough. We all shop at the same grocery stores. We all go to the same movies. We all watch the same cable TV. Uh, and everybody's got a smartphone. Uh, yeah, some houses are bigger, some are smaller. There are people who are hungry. Uh, those are people who are neglected or abused. And uh, that can be solved. So... I don't think that the that the splay between the upper and lower income is as great as it seems. And by, and by the way, how many houses can you have anyway? So we've got a guy who is from a part of the country that has been active in uh, socialist movements from the get-go. And by the way, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, New England states actually talked about forming their own country off and on uh, from the 1760s right up to the signing of the of the Constitution in 1789, Massachusetts held out to the very last because they didn't like the Constitution without a Bill of Rights, 
And finally, the uh, everybody agreed that we would have a Bill of Rights just as soon as Congress could meet and and uh, get that going. And so Massachusetts then signed. And, and so Bernie picked a part of the country that suited his personality. By the way, uh, Burlington is right on the border, basically, with, with Canada. So there's a lot of... Uh, uh, simpatico going back and forth. It's it's pretty close to Montreal. It's probably an hour drive to Montreal, and of course Quebec is the most liberal of the Canadian provinces. So uh, you know he's he's in a part of the country that has traditionally been ultra liberal, and he is an honest representation of that. And it's no no surprise that he would have migrated to that emigrated to that part of the country. So, but I don't think that that's the part of the country that's going to drive the rest of the nation. That's a very small part of the population. And uh, although it's been a real intellectual and uh, 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 political driving force, uh, I, I don't think we should let it drive us into socialism. And that doesn't mean that I don't like Bernie. He may be a great guy, but uh, I don't want him as my 